You are listening to Core, a show on Code Zero Radio that plays bands located in the Fox Cities. A show to find and discover new music. Hosted by Andy McNamara. Hello everybody, welcome to Fox Cities Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. I've got a pretty good show today. I've got Eric Krieger from Leading the Blind and many, many other things. If you've got a question for Eric, the number to call in is 920-358-0795. We will be taking live calls. We're going to start the show off with a Leading the Blind song. This is off their latest album, Everywhere I've Been. This is Don't Ask Me Why. You're listening to Core. Don't you know it's time to become who you are? And I was told it's never too late to start.
Yeah, Leading the Blind with Don't Ask Me Why. Again, that's off their latest release, Everywhere I've Been. I'd like to welcome Eric Krieger of Leading the Blind to CORE. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, too. Awesome. Thanks for joining today on this snowy day. Thanks for having me. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, you've been involved in a lot of projects. We've known each other for 23 years, I guess, is the official tally. Long time. We're getting old. Yeah. How did... I'm trying to think... I, I feel like we met at a show that we both played. I know you were, you, you played it from, no, I don't, I'll get into it later. Anyways, sure. known each other a long time, but yeah. I, I don't know a lot about you. Sure. We're, we're friends, but not intimately, daily, everyday friends. By the end of the hour, we will be. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to ask you first is, how did you get into to music? Obviously, I know you as being into music. Were you always into music? Yeah. Well, to back up, we met at Fun Lovin', so let's we'll probably come back to that yeah. at shows, which was a big deal. But going back to your question, when I got into music present day, like what I do now, it comes back to uh, one of my older brothers, Roy, took me to a show in 91. So I was about 11 going on 12. And I was, you know, probably the annoying little brother or whatever. And him and his buddies were into some local punk rock that was going on. And they took me to see a band called Vesicular Basalt in uh, this little club that existed in Little Shoot um, on Wisconsin Avenue or 96 or whatever that is out there. And um, it was an incredible experience because before that, you know, you're just used to listening to cassette tapes and, you know, vinyl and whatever and seeing things on MTV. But seeing kids that were, you know, a few years older than me, so like my brother's age, he's five years older than me playing music and doing it well and you know like really getting into it it was super inspiring to me i can't emphasize enough like what the impression how it left on me like it was just unbelievable so uh it was vesicular basalt it was a band called smart boys which mark hillstrom was in um a band called scurso from lookout records was on tour and hopla hoy was another band they're another local punk rock band that planted the seed you know, like my brother was kind of a aspiring bass player at that point. Some of his buddies were in Vesicular Basalt and he was, you know, he rented the bass from Gilmore Brothers Music and it was in the basement and, you know, he was kind of off doing his thing more than really playing it. So it was just sitting in the corner and I would go and pluck away on it <laughs> and just kind of learn the ropes a little bit and listen to the Vesicular Basalt cassette tape and all the other stuff that he had laying around, like the Descendants and... Um, some of the other local bands from around here back in the day, like Vacuum Scam, that sort of thing. And next thing you know, I met some people that were getting a band together, and they said, hey, you know, what do you play? And I'm like, well, I'm learning. Uh, let's give it a shot. And we got together in a basement, and all we did was really, it wasn't even a, like a band per se. We just kind of just showed each other what we could do and just <laughs> sat around, and somebody would order a pizza, which was fine by me. But, you know, eventually... I met some people that were a little bit more serious about it and they were looking for a singer. And I had sang back, you know, when I was a really little kid, I was an Appleton boy choir and, and that sort of thing and singing through school. There was a band called Treehouse. So that was pre Sunday floods. So this is 95 and I was 16 years old and played a few shows and played our first show at Ryan's bar. And that's when I ran into one of my oldest friends, Mike Allen at Appleton East High School. I hadn't seen him in years. We used to skateboard together. We both moved into Appleton around 1987. And, you know, we're kind of the skateboard kids that were off doing our own thing, you know, wearing rock and roll t-shirts, that sort of thing. And we had that commonality, but 
through junior high, we kind of just, you know, drifted away a little bit. And then sophomore year of high school, I saw him in the parking lot. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm in this band. He's like, I'm in a band. We're playing with Vesicular Basalt this weekend. I'm like, what? Like, it was this full circle, mind-blowing thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going. So this band uh, he was in was called Semicircle. So I went and saw them and um, gave them a little cassette tape of what we were doing. And John McEwen, their bass player, was like, you know, you got to sing for our band. So it just kind of, all these little steps happened in between, and then Sunday Flood was born shortly thereafter. So that was like, I guess, the the long story short of how we got into playing. Technically, you guys got together Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, so- it was Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving 95. So what happened was, is Semicircle played a show. I actually filled in on bass because John was two years older than us. So he graduated in, well, that would be June of 95. So that summer, they needed to figure out who was going to play bass in semicircle. I volunteered, even though I was a singer in Treehouse. We had shared a couple of bills together. I was like, well, you guys got to keep going. I'll play bass for you. We ended up playing one show without John. And it was kind of a train wreck. The singer of that band, lovely dude, but he wasn't really into it at that time. And he showed up late to the show. It was up at Concert Cafe. There was a couple other things that were going on between the other guys that, you know, I was new to the band, so it was not really my business, but they made the decision to move on without him. And we had a couple of riffs that Mike was working on that didn't really fit the semicircle vibe. It's like, look, why don't we just try doing this and you sing? It's like, okay. So we ran through a song. Like it was kind of like the lightning in a bottle thing happened. And we called John. He was in St. Paul on the telephone and we played it for him. You know, of course, this is pre-internet or at least like the early days of he listened to it. He's like, I'm coming home for Thanksgiving break and we're writing songs. And that was it. Like we got, we wrote like three, four songs right away. That stuff that ended up on galaxy just that after Thanksgiving dinner. And that was how it went. And we just kept going. When was your first show? Was it at Fun Lovin' or was it yeah. somewhere before that? Yeah, it was March of 96, I believe. was No, I'm sorry. It was January of 96. We did our first show and then we put uh, Galaxy on March of 96. Where did you record Galaxy? That was at Simple Studios in Green Bay, back when Eric Thielen had his studio in his basement. Kind of feels, you know, a little familiar. But um, it was a super cool experience. Very lovely guy and very inspiring. You know, like it was pretty intense to... Record. Did you do it over the course of days, weeks? Yeah, it was a few days. Like it was like a weekend, and then we came back. I think we did maybe some mixing, like you know, a couple of weekends later. It was one of those sort of things. It was spread out a little bit, but learned how to do it. And we figured it out and pressed some CDs and started selling them and playing shows. We can we can talk a little bit about Fun Love and now. So yeah. Like back, and I'll kind of wrap it in with this question. So back in '96. Appleton was a little different than it is now, and especially when you, you consider the age. Mm-hmm. How did you stumble upon Fun Lovin'? What were your thoughts at the time regarding the whole vibe there? Yeah, well, it was um, how we stumbled upon it. I'm not really exactly sure. Like, probably through high school. I think one of the other bands was like, hey, we're going to play. In fact, I think it was maybe like one of the bands like Betty Ford's or something like that. One of the guys went to East and said, hey, there's this space downtown. It's kind of weird something's going on in the basement like they let you play shows and I was like it was very familiar to me it was like that place that my brother took me to five years prior right so there was more clubs like that there was a Fantasia in Little Shoot there was Blue Jay Bowl before they tore that down in Menasha and then there was other things going on in Green Bay but I was obviously too young to really make a trek up there but um, at least at that point so when Fun Loving came up I was like awesome this is another space to play let's do it yeah getting down there it was 
obviously very unique, but it had that like energy, you know, there was, it was youth and it was creativity and it was, I don't know, there was, you know, the only, my only complaint about it was that sometimes the shows were overbooked. So there was, you know, 20 <laughs> bands down there when you weren't expecting it because Roosevelt, God rest his soul was so welcoming and like, yeah, anybody can play. I was like, well, dude, we already invited these guys and they came from out of town, you know, so we got to let them play. Right. And, oh no, they're just letting them play later. <laughs> So that was a little frustrating, but other than that, like it was such a great experience. I got to meet you guys. I got to meet, you know, um, Ian and Chris and Aaron from uh, Matt Alice Lane, and obviously I later joined one of their bands, and I just loved the energy of it. And we were able to bring bands through on tour, and and that was really how we started. Like Sunday Flood started networking and getting out there, and you know, going on tour and that sort of stuff. How many albums did Sunday Flood end up putting out? So total, um, well, there's Galaxy. That was our first record in 96. We did a split seven inch, no, just a seven inch record, Quiet Ball and KDK 12 on it. That was 97. That was on um, No Karma Recordings. We did Velvet is Falling, which is on Sunsea Sky. That was kind of a separation of No Karma Recordings and Sunsea Sky. There was two guys and they each did their own thing. So um, Sean was able to put out a record uh, in 99. Then we did Advisory in 2001. A lot of lineup changes in between there, but then we did what we call a demo, but it was really like our own just little EP that we put out in 05. And then we did a, a thing in 2010 called C47. And then between we did a lot of like comps and, and that sort of stuff too, with just like various singles. You guys played at the concert cafe a lot yeah, as well. Yeah, we had a handful of shows that were pretty incredible. There's, you know, Tom Smith is still putting on shows there and uh, up in Green Bay. We had a partner named uh, Rich Winker. I don't know if they're necessarily partners, but they both book shows there. And Rich Winker booked Flood quite a bit, played with bands like uh, The Dismemberment Plan, um, Boys Life, Kerosene 454, Alligator Gun, uh, Braid, Caster. We got on some pretty cool, good bills up there. It's really fun. We've got a caller. Awesome. Welcome to Core. Do you have a question for Eric Krieger? Hey, uh, it's me, Tony. Hey, Tony. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I have... Kind of have two questions for you, actually. Okay. First one, you, you've, you've been rattling off a lot of bands. One is, out of all the bands that you've seen and played with over the last 20-some years, are there what are the top couple, maybe, that you were surprised didn't actually make it bigger? Because um, I know, even myself, I've, I've seen a lot of bands play that, in hindsight, if they would have maybe had a break i feel like they could have been bigger so who, who yeah. are a couple of those bands for you and then second question is um how do you balance your family life and uh and the music stuff you know that takes up a lot of time those are both very good questions tony very good questions i would start with the first one i would say there's a band called pudge that uh a good one seen for a long time many years they had a lot of potential and i still i still think they do no, that's a great question, Tony. Honestly, I mean, we've played with a ton of bands over the years. And I mean, I first and foremost, I, I think about the bands that were around here that I got to see versus even just play shows with, right? So like I mentioned, Vesicular Basalt. I mean, before Green Day was Green Day, they would come through on tour like pre-94 and they would play with Vesicular Basalt. And, you know, I, I didn't get to see see that specific show but uh, you know they they would hold their own you know what i mean and vacuum scam and um alligator gun who we did end up playing with so that would be the one i mean they were 
they got signed, but they didn't quite hit that threshold. It was kind of in that musical transition period where like record labels were doing different things and they got dropped and they, they could have been the next big thing in punk rock to me. Giants Chair, who are coincidentally back together, but they're basically like a Green Bay band. They've got a Green Bay connection. The drummer, Paul, is in a band called Covent Garden. So yeah, I mean, those bands come to mind first and then, yeah, bands that we've played with, I could just, I could go on and on. I mean, there's so many great friends, like Scarlet Escape would be the first one that comes to mind. Played so many shows with them. Sounds like Braille. I remember a lot of those Yeah, names. yeah. I mean, it was, this kind of just takes you back. And then like bands even towards the later end period, like Self Evident from Minneapolis, like a lot of the bands that we would have come through were just so incredible. Story of the Sea, November Commission, Disguised as Burrs. I could write a book probably it would take another hour of this show so we'll have to come back to this or if we could just go and hang out i think but, the second part of his question was how do you balance family life yeah yeah so well first of all i married a, a very patient and understanding woman who was very supportive right so she um you know really appreciates my passion and um, she's very passionate in her own right she is a dance instructor so she's you know kind of got that artistic creative fire as well so we just you know really focus on me booking shows that i know um, i can put the kids to bed to nine times out of ten is my my goal hi paul hi stella um but uh that's really my focus is obviously a family man first you know but i love playing music it's something that i just will never stop doing it's kind of like breathing to me thanks for the call tony yeah thanks tony well, I, I think it's time to play a Sunday Flood song. Awesome. Can you tell us anything about I Advise Bread? Yeah, so this is um, on a record called Advisory. This is um, arguably maybe, you know, the record that we're maybe most known for from that era. It was a transitional record. John, the bass player, original bass player, left in December of 99. We had a guy named Kevin DeMars, phenomenal drummer in his own right, but ended up playing bass for us for um, that first I guess part of 2000, went on tour and we honed in all these songs that we had written. We ended up parting ways with Kevin. He had some other stuff going on, other bands he was doing. We ended up still keeping the studio time and Mike played bass on the record. I Advise Red is one of the ones that came out of it. All right, we've got Eric Krieger in the studio. This is Sunday Flood with I Advise Red.
That was Sunday Flood with I Advise Red off Advisory. You're listening to Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio. I've got Eric Krieger from the band Sunday Flood, Leading the Blind, and about a bazillion other bands. Let's let's talk a little bit about the other projects that you have been in and are in. Okay. Because there are a lot. And obviously we don't yeah. have time to talk about all of them. Sure. Yeah, well, some exist and some don't anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> I never like to say that any of the bands break up per se because, you know, life changes, priorities change, and, you know, I would never say never to anything, you know. So I'll kind of run through the list and hopefully I don't forget anything. But <laughs> so Treehouse was the first band that I was in officially that played shows. And that's how I met a semicircle guys, like I said. So I was in semicircle for one show, which turned into Sunday Flood, so that's three. Then I met, uh, like, again, going back to Fun Love, and I met Ian and Aaron and Chris and joined. Uh, their their project was called Madhouse Lane. They were important when they came back, and I ran into those guys at probably a show or something, and they're like, hey, we're going to do this new thing. Do you want to play and join our band? I was like, yeah. And Sunday <laughs> Flood was doing some, you know, going through, we've always gone through, like, either moving or lineup changes or something. Like, there's never been this continuous just like rest of focus you know like time of focus i guess if you will so we've always been moving even going back to the beginning i guess those first four years were pretty consistent but even then our bass player lived in you know like 250 miles away so so i joined yeah you know those guys it's called surface to air which there was actually talk about maybe getting something back together at least to record the songs that we had written because we never actually put anything out we just had a couple of demos and stuff so hopefully that happens so Sunday Float was obviously continuous throughout this process, but so Surface to Air, then I joined a band called Kindle, which turned into Like Fine Wine. So that was another fun, loving, related sort of thing. Those guys went to Appleton West. I was an East kid, Dave Kiley as well, who's been in Float with me for the last 15 plus years. We've been in a handful of, he's been leading the blind with me, obviously, too. So we've obviously kept our partnership going in that regard. Uh, but that was about four and a half years I did that. I was singing for uh, Like Fine Wine. Then I joined a band called Shallows, which, bringing it back again full circle, was with uh, John Schneider from Vesicular Basalt. So oh, cool. I got to the first show that I ever saw. I ended up playing with two of the people that I saw playing, one being John Schneider and one being Mark Hellstrom. It obviously completes my heart you know in that <laughs> regard it was a very neat thing to to be able to do that so shallows ended up um pausing and we kind of shifted we had a lineup change and turned into old nails both bands never put out a record unfortunately we got to the recording point we did a bunch of demos john has a bunch of recording gear and again both of those bands i would love to see record some stuff as well like five fine line we got together this summer they ended up hanging it up their original lineup decided to to hang it up and call it quits so dave and i got to play a couple songs with them that was really neat yeah but playing with mark hillstrom obviously is a, a big thing for me and halloran is another sunday flood offshoot that's mike and i that just goes back to the inconsistencies of sunday floods timeline and members we just had some songs that didn't really fit and we didn't feel like teaching the other new guys like <laughs> parts we're like why don't we just do this kind of side project thing and you get the delay pedal going and we'll do this, you know, so. And Halloran's yeah. got two albums out and then like a, a remixed album, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all up on Bandcamp, halloran.bandcamp.com. And then there's talk of Mike moved to Alaska. So Sunday Flood is kind of on pause because of that. Halloran would be as well. 
I mean, obviously the internet, you know, we can trade song files back and forth, that sort of thing. So hopefully we're going to, you know, do some things in the future, but it's obviously going to be pretty tough to, to play live with both projects. So we've done two three piece Sunday flood shows. There's talk of doing something along those lines. Like it's not Sunday flood without Mike. So it would have to be, you know, maybe a new band with a new name, but so Dave and Eric from flood are in a new band called tax with two of the guys from like fine wine, Tony and Nick. So they're doing that. Hopefully we'll be able to find some time to do like a new flood related band out of that. That'd be great. Yeah. So then leading the blind obviously is what I really am focused on now. And that's a lot of fun. I'm glad I get to play with Dave still too. So that's quite an, quite an extensive body of (laughs) work there. Yeah. We had a a question from Marshall from Appleton wanted to know your uh, favorite current venue to play and your most memorable show ever played. Hmm. These are good questions. Favorite venue to play currently? Well, I would say just, I've only played it a couple of times, but maybe it's the most fresh because it was one of the funnest shows, almost a two-in-one answer, although I'll, I'll probably elaborate on a little bit more, but we did this like fine wine final show and I was at Gibson Music Hall. I'd played there a couple of times with my other band, A Town Unplugged, which I forgot to mention in that list. Got them now. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> but um that was a really neat club. It's it's something that's new, and, and being on College Avenue, it just obviously brings me back a little bit to fun-loving, you know? I mean, honestly, I love pretty much any room that I get to play in. So, But that, that just one sticks out. That one sticks out specifically just because of the fun we had. It was a very um, uh, nostalgic show, just knowing that Like Fine Wine was hanging up. I got to sing a couple of those old songs. We did a three-piece three, three piece flood set. That sticks out to me. But as far as like shows that I played that really stick out and memorable, it would probably be playing with like a band like Alligator Gone or like one of those cafe shows that we got on with like, you know, Boys Life or Kerosene 454. Or... Is there any video that exists? Um, that alligator gun show? No, no. There's a couple of um, VHS tapes that I have laying around that I've got to digitize that I know my wife would be thrilled if I did. <laughs> Sorry, Dana, <laughs> that are collecting dust in our basement. So I'm going to have to give that to like Crazy Todd or somebody that has that capability. But yeah, there's a handful of like old flood sets and old like fine wine sets and that sort of stuff. And Is there a show that wasn't recorded that you wish you could review and watch again oh yeah well that first show that i was at but i have the audio of it somebody had uh like a you know audio board patch in recording device so thankfully i have that but yeah no i would probably have to say like if i could have one show that's not recorded that i would wish was it would be like one of the shows that we had on tour because that was just such a fun time to to play out of town we were lucky enough to do that you know quite a bit back in the day and were you sleeping a lot on people's floors or were you yeah. booking hotels? Yeah. Well, this was um, floors and this was, you know, obviously early email, but we did a lot of like phone call stuff like booking. I still have this um, ceramic container that has like just little notebook pieces of paper with phone numbers on them and like matchbooks and stuff of bands from wherever. Like, yeah, you know, Rick from Toledo or whatever. <laughs> there, it was pretty cool. There was a... the magazine shop on college i bought like a touring magazine back in the 90s sure i don't remember what it was called but it had like all the addresses in there and phone yeah. numbers and well there's um in the title it's uh obscene word so book your own <laughs> yeah, blank a, life a, is that the one you're thinking yeah of? that is it yeah so that's one of the things we used and like knowing just handle like networking obviously that was you play a show and then you have them come through your town and then next thing you know you're playing in their town that was the really neat thing about it 
with uh, with leading the blind i i think every album been getting like more and more like riff heavy which sure. is interesting and uh, one thing i noticed with you and marty that i really like is you guys play so tightly together yeah like the the two guitars yeah. and it's not a studio trick because live you guys sound just as tight and one thing i was before the show started i said i'll bring it up on sure. the show i was watching you guys at mill creek okay and they had a, a song called the black and gray yeah playing on the video screens yeah and i was curious i'm like are they going to be able to play this in time because that's something i've experienced it's hard to get the timing right every right. time right you guys were right on the whole thing like even <laughs> the song was you know half over i'm like okay well is you know the tempo gonna get a little different here but it yeah. was it matched up perfectly through the whole thing and i was really impressed by right that on. well i appreciate that and that's kind of interesting because we had different drummer at the time of that video shoot for that album uh pat whitevin who's our bandmate marty pashke which I, I should really touch on and emphasize the importance of him in my life as well, you know, especially because of the origins of the band Leading the Blind. Yeah, it's funny that you say the timing was right and, you know, the tightness of it because it's a different drummer and we were able to do that with our new drummer, even though he's been with us for a handful of years now, Mike St. Clair from Scarlet Escape. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really fun band. Marty started the band in the mid-90s and I met him actually at my brother's coffee shop downtown back in the day. And then when I turned 21, my friends from Like Fine Wine took me to the Maritime to just, you know, have a couple. And I saw these two cats playing cover songs. And, you know, cover songs aren't really my thing, you know, um, or at least back then. I mean, not to take away from people who do it, because obviously I do that as well. So I have an appreciation for both things. But I just I was so used to going to see original music that I really didn't pay much mind to the cover song in general right but um, Rodney Zimmerman and Marty Paschke were playing they would play every week and they were playing these songs so well like songs that I liked you know like Alice in Chains and Nirvana and Beatles and um, Neil Young the list goes on and I was like oh my god like these guys again like back to Tony's question what are these guys doing in Appleton like they're just phenomenal and you know long story short they ended up asking me to play with them you know I started hanging out becoming a regular and here we are 15 later I've been playing 15 years later I've been playing with these guys but um taking it back to Marty's original band Blind we would play blind songs every once in a while with during A town sets and like the the requests were like aggressive like you guys got to play blind songs I was like oh my god so Marty gave me a blind CD and I listened to him I'm like dude this is great and he ended up playing our, our bass player of A town at the time Jim Van Out was the original uh, blind bass player and Keith Shaw was the drummer you know, they disbanded, but, you know, through A-Town, we were kind of able to get Marty to resurrect that. So Pat and Jimmy and Marty played a couple of years, and then they wanted to beef up the sound with another guitar, and they asked me to do it, and then we've kept our foot on the gas ever since. So a couple lineup changes, new drummer, new bass player, Dave Kiley. I recruited him, writing albums. And you've done three albums with Leading the Blind, all yeah. three recorded at Rock Garden, different yes. buildings, though, for the first uh, album right and right last yeah. tour at the current location yeah we did i've been lucky enough to record a lot of mark's places with all the various projects but we did for um leaning the blind specifically we're on the walter street for the first record and then yeah midway through dave joined the band so jimmy is on a couple of the tracks and dave's on a couple and then um yeah the last two albums were at his current location in the flats 
How's things changed since the first Leading the Blind album to the, the latest release? Well, the consistent thing is, I would say, like, Marty and I, we have a lot of hours in together with A-Town. So we've developed a, a pretty strong chemistry, both in terms of, like, harmonies, like singing, writing songs, and, and guitar-wise as well, just writing songs together. But I think the key is we found our groove with the rhythm section. They're two just fantastic players, and they kind of hold everything together in place. You know, so Marty and I can do you know, some various noodling things on guitar, if you will, or, you know, add in a vocal line that's just a little off time, but those guys are able to just keep it so cohesive and driving, and they're just phenomenal players. I think that we've just found our groove. Obviously, when you have a handful of years together, you know, you kind of learn the ins and outs, and it becomes a little bit more like muscle memory, and you know, instinct-wise, where they're going to go, and then the songs come together. Who's taking on the most of the songwriting duties for Lady of the Blind? Is it Marty, or is it a combination of you and Marty? Yeah, this is always going to be Marty's band, you know. I mean, and I do my best, and I know Eric and Dave do, or I mean, uh, Mike and Dave do as well, is we, we try to obviously participate as best we can, and it's still a band per se, but the core of it is going to be Marty's voice. So we try to, you know, enhance the riffs that he has. But yeah, Marty and I do some writing together as well. Like, you know, these last few records especially have been a little bit more involved in, you know, chopping up some parts, and those guys do as well. Dave has got a great ear. Um, as far as like arrangements are concerned and Mike does too, where it's like, Hey, do this part twice or chorus or go back to this. And again, that goes back to the evolution of the band is it's, it's definitely not just Marty, but just knowing that he's the core of it, pardon the pun, we're on on core, (laughs) but, um, you know, we've, we've figured out a good balance of that. I think is, you know, as far as his influences is more of that early nineties kind of grunge sort of sound. A lot of people say, and then. Mike and Dave and I come from this sort of indie rock, Midwest indie rock, original rock world, math rock, or post-hardcore or whatever, and it kind of comes together and forms what we do. So I think it's accessible to people, yet maybe a little more complicated than meets the eye behind the scenes. You know what I mean? We try to add a little flair to it. But, but I enjoyed enjoyed the Leading the Blind set at Oktoberfest. Awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It was great navigating down College Avenue in yeah. Heard a lot of cover songs and also you heard this nice driving music. Yeah. Yeah, we um we're we're loud and we're, we're an original band, so yeah, I'm sure it was a little kind of stuck out. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was a good show. I want to bring up uh, Crazy Todd cuz he's yeah. he's pretty involved with Leading the Blind. Totally. He's so pretty much like our pseudo manager, if you will. Yeah. He's um I mean, I could that's another hour topic of Todd, but he <laughs> um I met Todd through Marty and um, he actually was a big blind fan back in the day so he comes like from I mean first of all he's just such an organized passionate dude like about like music and and just life in general he's got this energy that's just unmatched you know he's just one of the most incredible people I've ever met and um, he's very inspiring like he got Marty motivated I think too like you know obviously when we got leading the blind going or they did before I joined um, he was just like keeping the train on the tracks like yeah you guys should book some time it's like yeah we should okay like he's kind of like that reminder in the back of our heads like he's not doing it everything for us but he's really just kind of planting that seed and it's like yeah you know what okay let's book some time because we got these songs and the next thing you know we're writing a deadline like yeah we're gonna have this out by the summer or whatever you know and let's press these and well i'm gonna help you with shirts then well thanks todd you're the best man (laughs) so yeah he's just he's like our fifth member unofficially keeping the wheels going totally 
Uh, we're going to play a Leading the Blind song, uh, The Black and Gray. Awesome. And this was off the first album? Yeah, Into the Modern Wasteland. Was this a, one of the earlier written songs for that album, or did this come? Yeah, I would the... say this is one of them. Yeah, one of the earlier ones on, and it came together really quick, and uh, it's got a really nice, nice vibe to it. I like the song a lot. There's a good video for this song. Yeah. If you check for it on YouTube, it's made up of uh, studio footage. Right. And it's, it's a good, I think, a good uh, compliment to the song. Cool. You can see the energy in the video, and it kind of goes with the music. Yeah, it's fun. This is Leading the Blind with the Black and Gray. You're listening to Core on Code Zero Radio.
That was Leading the Blind. You're listening to CORE on Code Zero Radio. I've got Eric Krieger from Leading the Blind in the studios. Eric, I want to ask you about the work you've done and have been doing for Mark Kilstrom. Yeah. Mark is um, a phenomenal singer-songwriter, um, originally from the Lakeshore, the Manitowoc area. I met Mark. He actually did some studio work like engineering that sort of thing for two of the flood records um he helped yeah there's a little little hidden gem of knowledge for you um so velvet is falling and uh, advisory recorded up at simple studios in green bay actually advisory we recorded we took all of eric's equipment out to this shed he knew this guy who had this old kind of like barn shed. He's like, let's try something different. So it was kind of painstaking. I know that Mark was a part of moving some of that gear. So bless his heart. But, um, you know, obviously through the exclusive company, I knew Mark and just years of like shows and actually a funny story. Uh, one of his bands, Alien Harvest, was supposed to play at Fun Lovin'. And there was another instance where there was like 20 bands playing one night versus the five that were originally on the bill. So we still joke about that. It was probably about like six years ago. I came into the shop one day and Mark's like, ah, you know, I, I would always just kind of tug him every time I go and buy a record. Like, dude, when are you going to play again? Ah, I'm retired. I'm like, no, you're not retired. You're going to be playing songs again. So this went on for, I don't know, a handful of years. And finally, like six, seven years ago, I was in there and I'm like, so you're going to play a show, like come down the Maritime play or something. He's like, well, I've got, I've got a few songs. I've got like six or seven or eight, six songs. I'm like, okay, cool. And then he ended up, you know, calling me or whatever or saying, yeah, I actually want you to play on him. I'm like, whoa, yeah, man, this is awesome. He came over to my basement and we started, like, he showed me all these just incredible songs that he had. And I was like, yeah, this is amazing. So um, ended up playing um, electric guitar with an Ebo and delay pedal on a handful of songs. And um, our friend Scott Burns came over and we kind of collectively were layering some guitars over Mark's just wonderful tunes and we mark put out this album called our lives as builders i think that was 2013 14 when it actually came out i know because we were on the way down to record at uh, shane hot settler studio howell, howell street in milwaukee my wife called and said she was pregnant on the way so it was like <laughs> oh cool thanks for telling me like on the way to get you know i was trying to get my mind right to record <laughs> i was like that was a pretty heavy thing to to do obviously it was the best news i've ever heard in my life but to compute that at this time when i was about to record on my friend's album you know it was a little intense yeah so that we did that album and mark just keeps writing these great songs so um he asked me to play on from the mountain you can see the hills which was the album that came after that and then he's got a new album called chase the clouds five song ep got some strings on it and just a bunch of guest players and that's what mark does he's just a a great songwriter and he's got this mind like he envisions what his songs should be and he's it's like a artist with a paintbrush you know like oh what color am i gonna do today you know what i mean and they come together and i just i love it i mean i always loved his rock stuff too um alien harvest and minor but this is a different side of him that he's been doing for a long time he's got other albums out from you know back in the day that's some of my favorites as well and leaving fields and stuff that you know 
was pre his retirement, but it's just good to to see him doing what he does. And I'm glad I'm a part of it. Was that your first time using an Ebo? Yeah, yeah. So oh, how is that? I've never used one. It's super weird. So I'm familiar with it because um, Mike Allen from Flood, you know, has used it with the Flood stuff for a long time, and I never really messed around with it. But Mark had the idea. He had one laying around. He's like, "Why don't we try this? You know, and add a little layer of stuff." And I was like, "Okay." So I had to sit and kind of monkey around with it and get used to what it does. It's kind of got a life of its own, and it takes notes and especially through an amp, it kind of just, they go where they want to go. So you have to try to harness that energy as best you can into the note. My goal with Mark's stuff is always to just be that layer behind his melody and lyrics because they're so good. So I just want to be that background filler type of thing, but it was a great idea. And yeah, I I love playing, especially live with him with that. It's a fun instrument. Your uh, guitar choices I like. It seems yeah. your main guitar choice is the Gibson SG. Yeah, I've got a couple of those. Yep. Um, I love those guitars. Um, what else do you have equipment-wise? I've got a couple of um, Gibson. They're called the Paul. They were made from 78 to 82. So I have a 78 that I actually got from Mark Hillstrom, and then I have a 79. So those are like probably my other two favorite very similar to the SG, like the pickups, everything, the weight, um, body cut is obviously different, but they play very similar. The neck's nice. And yeah, then I've also got, um, just a handful of stuff. I've got an old Gretsch that I actually bought from Christopher gold. <laughs> I've got, um, <laughs> I've got, yeah, probably more guitars than I should have, but I'm keeping them for my children, obviously too. the ones that I don't play. And I've got a handful of acoustics as well. And we're going to, we're going to try something here. Eric's going to perform a song. Sure live live and i'll let you grab the guitar Mm -hmm. so this is a solo song that's probably going to be either on a new solo record or it'll be a halloran thing or something but um something i've been doing around with lately so take it away all right
That was Eric Krieger. Thank you, Eric. Hey, thank you, Andy. That was quite the treat on this Saturday morning. Oh, very much so. Can you tell us a little bit about that song? You know, you kind of did when it started. You said it was a new one that's in progress. Yeah, yeah. So I've been I've been sitting on these tunes. Like you know, I love writing songs with Marty, and um, you know, definitely continue to write. We have a bunch of new "Leading the Blind" songs that we're working on. We're working on an EP that we're going to do. Marty and I are going to do an acoustic EP, and then we're going to do a full band new record. But I've had these songs that um, have been kind of just laying around because all the various bands that I am in just have ideas that maybe don't fit the mold of what we're trying to do in each project. So I've had these songs that are sitting around, and obviously with Mike moving to Alaska, it's not really um, easy to do from a, the internet. Obviously, is great technology-wise. So you know, hopefully, I'm going to be able to send him some songs, and he can send some of his stuff on top of them. And we'll do another Helen record. But I've got a couple like this that are just kind of outside that realm. So I might do like a solo album. I've been talking about it for a while. Like it'll probably just be like an acoustic, um, like EP or something like that. And this is one of those tunes wrote out in my barn and it kind of falls in line with a lot of the topics we were talking about today, you know, just early on writing songs and this area and music and memories and that sort of stuff. Where can people go to find out more about your projects? Um, so I have, uh, a handful of Facebook pages, but I, I made one for, I guess, me. It's uh, at Eric W. Krieger Songs. Um, I should have links on all of that for Leading the Blind, but I guess Facebook would be the easiest if you're looking for Leading the Blind. Um, you're looking for, yeah, Sunday Flood has a presence on Facebook, Halloran. I'll have Bandcamp pages like Mark's new record should be up on Bandcamp soon. That'll be markstevenhillstrom.bandcamp.com, I believe, is the URL for that. Those, yeah, between Facebook and Bandcamp, you'll be able to find what I'm doing. Um, A-Town Unplugged 2. Yeah, there's like YouTube as well, but like for some of the other projects that are defunct, if you're ever interested in going back, there's a handful of those projects up there as well. Well, Eric, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks and for having me, man. This is fun. My pleasure. I look forward to hearing all your upcoming projects, and I know that cool. for the next 30 years, hopefully we, we get lots of new eric krieger releases yeah, i hope so <laughs> i hope to hear a new pudge release one of these days as well Let's see we're gonna end the show with a song from hollering cool uh, it's called 24 7 awesome but, i yeah. mean do you have a story behind 24 um, 7 was that yeah. you or mike this is my yeah these all these halloran tunes are really i guess based on my riffs per se and like okay. the cores of the song and then mike does his layering of what he does and you know very adds a lot of you know trinkets behind the scenes he's just super great with an ebo and it's almost kind of like you know, um, just an extra piece of the puzzle for like the tunes that I have. And this is one of the first Halloran songs that we had. I've probably played it the most out of all of these Halloran songs, I guess, live. I still play it solo. Yeah, it's 24-7 uh, is something about, I guess, the story behind it is continuing. Con the idea is to continue to evolve, not being afraid to change because you know the world is continuing to evolve and you know in some ways are good and some ways are bad but i think the core of it is to 
you know, just be a good person and try to help people where you can. And that's really where the idea of this song comes from. So this is Holleran with 24-7. You're listening to CORE on Code Zero Radio. Thanks, Eric. Thank you.